Bible. You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? I don't know how long you've been religious, but I want to ask you, have you ever heard or come across any of these, what I call religious one-liners or religious sound bites that people almost build a doctrine on sound? They build their whole religion on a sound bite. Have you ever heard any of these little expressions? Let's see. Uh, Jesus came to do away with the law. You ever heard that one? How about this one? The law was nailed to the cross. You ever heard that? How about this? The law was abolished. The law, how about this one? The law has been fulfilled in Christ. How about this one? Jesus kept the law so that you don't have to. How about this little one-liner soundbite? What must you do to be saved? Nothing. Nothing. Jesus did it all for you. Grace plus nothing. You ever heard that? Well, I think I've heard all of them. Now, when we talk about the law of God, and that's what I want to talk about today, is the law of God, what are we talking about? Well, basically, we're talking about the Ten Commandments. Okay, the Ten Commandments. Has the Ten Commandments of God been done away with? Well, obviously, I mean, only a fool would believe that. I mean, you know, of course not. I mean, what makes a society work? It is that it is a law-abiding abiding society. You start doing away with the law of God, you're getting yourself into big trouble. Now, the book of Romans says this. It says, because the law works wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. In other words, if there is no law, there's nothing you can do that's wrong. You can't get a ticket for running a stop sign if there's no stop sign there, okay? Uh, if, the, if there is no law, there's nothing you can do that's wrong. So you might as well go ahead and cheat on your wife. You might as well go ahead and steal. You might as well go out and murder somebody. Well, of course, you know. So it's really idiotic to think about some of these statements that I said at the very beginning. The role of God's law is to reveal what sin is. That's really the, the law of God is revelatory. It reveals. In other words, it reveals what sin is so that we can have an agreement on what sin is. Not that everybody can have their own opinion as you often have. Well, I think sin is this. Well, I think sin is that. Well, I think this is wrong. Well, I think that's wrong. No, it is so that we can come to an ultimate conclusion about what God says is wrong. Now, it is true that the law of God cannot save you any more than a speed limit sign can make you drive 55. We understand that. Uh, speed limit signs are revelatory. They reveal what the law is. And that's the purpose of God's law, to reveal what sin is. Now, let's carry this illusion of God's law having been done away with to its ultimate conclusion. 
Because I'm sure you've heard those little expressions. Well, the law's been abolished and it's been nailed to the cross and, and Jesus did it all for you. And the laws, you know, I'm sure you've heard that somewhere. I mean, if you've been religious for a year, you've heard this from somebody. Okay. All right, let's carry it to the ultimate conclusion. If there is no law. If there is no law, get this, if there is no law, there's no such thing as sin. If there's no sin, you don't need a Savior. If you don't need a Savior, you don't need to have faith. And if you don't need to have faith, you don't need religion. So if there is no law, you don't need religion. That's the ultimate conclusion of this nonsense that you sometimes hear out of the mouths of preachers trying to, I mean, I'm not sure what they're trying to convince people of, but some of these little one-liners, these little statements, these little sound bites that get passed around, and sometimes people put more faith in a sound bite than they do anything. Law's been nailed to the cross, been done away with. You know, it's really, it's really crazy when you think about it. Now, I want to look at some scripture that people, I think, misunderstand or love to use. I'm not sure what their motive is, but I want to look at scriptures that people try to use to say that the law is no longer necessary. First one is Matthew 5 and verse 17. Let's take a look at that. Jesus said, Think not that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I have not come to destroy, but to fulfill. It's sort of ironic that the very thing that Jesus said, don't think, all kinds of religious people go around thinking. Jesus comes along and says, look, hey buddy, don't you think this. Don't you think that I've come to do away with my law? And what is it? Is it the masses of religious people go around, yeah, I think he came to do away with the law. The law's been nailed to the cross, been done away with. And, you know, the very thing Jesus said, don't think it, is what a lot of people are thinking. Now, let me tell you how a lot of people read this. They say, okay, well, think not, and Jesus said, Jesus said, think not that I've come to destroy the law or the prophets. I have not come to destroy, but to destroy. Now, that's how a lot of people read that. They, they misunderstand this word fulfill. Well, let's take a look at this very scripture from another translation in, in order to get the right understanding of what this word fulfill actually means. I have not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Let's take a look at it again in Matthew 5 and verse 17. I think this is the contemporary English version. It says, don't suppose that I have come to do away with the law and the prophets. I did not come to do away with them, but to give them their full meaning. Yeah, to give them their full meaning. In other words, there's such a thing as, you know, the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. Jesus came to not only teach the letter of the law, though I already had that, but he came to give the understanding of what it means to, in the spirit, keep the law. Now, in the spirit means you keep it in your mind. It's just not something that you do. It's the way you think. So he actually lifted the law of God up to a pinnacle to understanding the spirit of the law. Otherwise, Jesus said, you know, you shall not commit adultery. Okay, that's simple to understand. You're faithful to your wife. But I say unto you, Jesus said, if you look upon a woman to lust after her, you've already committed adultery in your heart. He's dealing with what goes on in the mind. And so there were all kinds of religious fanatics in Jesus' day who could say, I've never been untrue to my wife. But what went on in their minds was an abominable filth 
of perversion going on in their minds. And so Jesus says, look, it's one thing, you know, the act, the letter of the law. I'm talking about, I'm raising your awareness to the spirit of the law. He uses the same illustration about murder. You know, don't go around murdering people. But I say unto you that if you have anger in your heart. So he's saying, look, you know, maybe you've never killed anybody, murdered anybody. But if you hate that person in your heart, you're guilty of, of, of committing sin. So he lifts the, the spirit, you know, the letter of the law up to the spirit of the law of what's going on in your heart, what's going on in your mind. That was the full meaning to the word fulfill. That's what he's talking about. To give the law its full meaning of the purpose of the law of how it applies to your life. He wasn't talking about doing away with the law of God. The second scripture that all people often try to use to say that the law has been done away with or abolished or, you know, no more or whatever, is Romans 10 and verse 4. Romans 10 and verse 4. And let's take a look at that one. It says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Christ is the end of the law, and that's it. You know, how many times have you heard that? He's the end of the law. Well, the word end there does not mean abolished. It doesn't. The actual word, if you look it up, and, and now listen, if you are just a religious hobbyist, and all you do is just go around proof texting scriptures, you take a scripture like this, Christ is in the law, that's it, I don't, law's been done away with. No, 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 no. Listen, at the least, you need to get a strong concordance and do word studies on the meaning of words, the Greek and Hebrew meaning of the word. The word in here means a definite point or goal. That Christ is the point of the law. He's the definite point or goal of the law. Christ is the goal of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. That's what the word actually means. It doesn't mean that, it, you know, he's, that it's the end of the law. He says that what you are trying to achieve is what Jesus achieved. To keep not only the letter, but the spirit of the law, what's going on inside this you know, this empty space here to achieve the spirit of the law. That's what he's talking about, the goal, the point. Christ is the goal of the law. He is the point of the law. doesn't mean end. Look it up for yourself. Don't believe me? Believe your Bible. Okay. The third little scripture that people often try to use to, you know, and I've heard this and quoted a lot. I've heard this one quoted uh, so many times. It's in Ephesians 2 and verse 8. Let's take a look at that. Ephesians 2 and verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Did you know nearly every time you hear a preacher quoting this verse, he'll stop right there at that word boast? Not of works. And let's take a note. Let's look at it again. Not of works, lest any man should boast. And he'll stop right there, whether it's in Christian writing or preaching. They always stop right there. They never continue on with the rest of that scripture. Well, what is the rest of that scripture? It's true. By grace are you saved. Yeah, absolutely. Through faith. Absolutely. Not of yourselves. Absolutely. It is the gift of God. I believe that. Well, let's look at what the rest of that scripture says in Ephesians 2 and verse 10. It says, not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, 
which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Yeah, we're created for good works. Absolutely. And God has ordained before that we should walk in these good works. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The fourth uh, little phrase I've often heard about the law of God is, is uh, well, we're not under the law. You ever heard that one? We're not under the law. You know, you got some idiot driving down the road 110 miles an hour, you know, running people out of the road, running over people, and he hollers out, I'm not under the law. I'm not under the law. Well, it makes no sense. You're not under I mean, listen, listen. Are you under no obligation to tell the truth? Are you under no obligation to be faithful to your wife? Are you under no obligation to steal from your boss? Well, of course not. I mean, where do where you know, what kind of idiot would come up with this kind of thinking? Well, of course you have a you are under you're under obligation to do the right thing. Of course you are. I mean, what does a Christian mean? What does that mean to be a Christian? Galatians 3 and verse 13 will give you the answer as to uh, this question here. Let's look at that, Galatians 3 and verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, uh, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. To be... Not To not be under the law means we're no longer under the curse of the law. What's, what is the curse of the law? Well, it, it's when you break it, it claims your life. That's the curse of the law. You break my commandments, you deserve to die. That's the curse that we're no longer under. It doesn't mean that you're not under the law as far as you should obey it or not. It's not talking about that at all. It's talking about that if you have the Holy Spirit of God, and that's a big if. Don't just make that assumption that you do. But if you have the Holy Spirit of God, that, that, that if you are truly His, His elect, His called out ones, that if you have the Holy Spirit of God, when you break God's law, that death penalty does not hang over your head because you're not under the curse of the law. The curse of the law. That's what we're no longer under. Now, Galatians. I'll tell you, Galatians is the most misunderstood book about when it comes to law and grace, I tell you, people just don't get it. Preachers don't get it. Seminary schools don't get it. I'm telling you the truth. You know, Paul has been referred to as the apostle of grace. What people fail to realize is that Paul was an avid supporter of the law of God. He realized that the two worked in harmony together. Paul understood that the only time you would even need grace is when you have broken God's law. That's when you need grace, the grace of God, is when you have broken God's law. You also need God's grace to keep the law of God in order to be obedient to God's law. But he understood that the two worked in harmony together, grace and God's law. Now, there is a warning here that Peter gives about Paul. Paul was greatly misunderstood, and he is today. Seminary schools misunderstand Paul's teaching. Let's take a look at the warning that Peter gave about Paul's writing. Let's take a look at this. He says, As also, referring to Paul, in all his epistles, speaking of them, of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood. He, he admitted that Paul is a little bit hard to understand, and I agree with that. Which they there are, that are unlearned and unstable twist as they do also 
the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Notice that they twist these scriptures into their own unto their own destruction. And that's that's what a lot of people, a lot of preachers are guilty of this, of misunderstanding Paul's teaching, especially the book of Galatians. Now, what was the error of people's way? What were they doing with the law of God back then? Well, let's continue on and see what Peter says. How would they take Paul's writing and and rest them and twist them to their own destruction? How would they misunderstand the law of God back then? Let's see what Peter says, the, what they were doing, and let's see if we can make a connection here. Okay, 2 Peter 3 and verse 17 says, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things, that people will take Paul's teaching and twist them, be aware lest also you, bring, you being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. They were using Paul's writing. They were using the doctrine of grace to serve their own wickedness. In other words, the grace of God was a license to sin. In fact, there was a teaching back then. I forget the name of that teaching, that the more you sin, the more God could forgive you. That was actually a teaching back then in their day. I forget the name of it. There's a name for it, but I forget what it is. But the more you sin, the more God can forgive you and the more deserving of grace, you know, a, a queer concept, by the way. But how do people, how do wicked people use the law of God? Well, they say things like, well, the law's been abolished. Jesus came to do away with the law. The law's been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Grace plus nothing. That's how wicked people take Paul's writing. And all they focus on is just grace, 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 grace. And negate God's law. They do away with God's law. And I'm saying that's evil. That's wicked to do that. That is twisting the scriptures to do that. And a lot of people take Galatians and they twist those scriptures. They twist the scripture. The fifth thing that often I've heard is that believers are free from the law of God. Believers are free from the law of God. Is that true? Is that true? That we're free from the law of God? No, it's not true. It's a lie. Let's take a look at Galatians 3 and verse 19. It says, Wherefore then serve the law? It was added because of transgression till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was ordained by an angel in the hands of a mediator. Now this scripture, a lot of people will take this scripture. And first of all, let me clarify something. The only law that I know was that has been added because of transgression. Let's take a look at that again. It says... Uh, it says, wherefore then serve the law. It was added because of transgression till the seed should come. Uh, speaking of Christ. Okay, what law was added because of transgression? The only law that I know, in other words, sins were being committed and there was a law added. All right, what, what law was added? Well, the only law I know was the sacrificial laws that were added because of transgression. In other words, <clears throat> God gave mankind from the get-go his law and they begin to break the law of God. And God said, okay, how can I instill in their mind that without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sin? How, what could I set in place that would lead people to realize that without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sin that will lead people to Christ? What can I set in place? And it was the sacrificial system. Because with the sacrificial system, 
you know, the Levitical priesthood, you had to actually participate. You know, you took a little lamb out of your herd, and maybe it's sucking on your finger, and you sort of get attached to it. The children get attached to it. But every year you would offer this for your sin offering, and you would carry it to the temple, and the priest would help you. You didn't just give it to the priest and say, here's my sin offering. No, you participated in it, in it and you help hold the knife, and you slit its throat. And there's something about the sight of blood that has a profound effect on us. There's something about the smell of blood. And it was an imagery, sort of like an IMAX theater that you go to, that, that pointed to Christ, that pointed to that Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, that without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness. And it all pointed to Christ. So when we talk about a law that was added, well, it was a sacrificial law. Now let's continue on in Galatians 3 and verse 24. It says, Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. So the sacrificial system was like a schoolmaster to teach. It was a teaching tool that would lead people to the Lamb of God. It really was. It was a teaching tool that would lead people to the Lamb of God. Today, we don't have sacrifices. In other words, once you accept Christ as your personal uh, Savior, uh, it was no longer necessary to keep those sacrificial laws. And I think that's one of the things that Paul is struggling with, and it's one of the things that a lot of people misunderstand. They think he's talking about the Ten Commandments, no longer necessary. Well, no, of course not. I mean, what makes a society work? It is the Ten Commandments. So, of course, today there is no temple, there is no priesthood, and that's the reason we don't have the sacrificial system today, uh, animal sacrifices today, is because there is no temple or priesthood. But if there were a temple and a priesthood, those sacrificial systems would still be in place. And, but once you accept it, they would lead you to a relationship with Christ, but once you accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, it would be no longer necessary to continue with those animal sacrifices. So that's the schoolmaster, you know, that we talked about that led one to, to Christ by faith. Okay, and again, there's a lot of confusion about the law of God. But, you know, when religious people and when preachers start teaching and dismissing the Ten Commandments, that's dangerous. That's downright dangerous to do that. You know, the law of God, like I said, the law of God leads a person to Christ. Because when I break the law of God, I am under conviction that I need forgiveness, that I need a Savior. And so the very law of God, by me breaking it, under conviction of the Holy Spirit, I am driven on my knees to Christ to ask for forgiveness. So it leads people. The law of God, when you break it, leads people to you know, to that acceptance of a Savior. Now, I want to offer you something here, um, a little brochure here entitled, Which of the Ten Commandments Did Jesus Repeal? <laughs> you know, you need this article. It is great because a lot of people, are, you know, misunderstand what Paul is talking about and what Jesus is talking about. Which one of these Ten Commandments did, did Jesus repeal? You need to get this for your own personal understanding so that you can have a greater understanding of the Word of God. Now, <clears throat> at the end of it all, in Revelation 22 and verse 14, it says this. It says, Blessed are they that do His commandments, 
that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without, on the other side of the coin, for without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and make a lie. You know, really, you're dealing with two classes of people here. In the end, you've got two groups of people. You've got the sinner, and then over here you've got the sinner whose sins have been covered by the blood of the Lamb, the Lamb of God. And they are described, these people who are sinners, who have been covered by the blood of the Lamb, they are described, these people at the end are described as though that hear and do they hear what God says and they do his commandments they do his commandments they don't have this idiotic teaching that the law has been done away with no they do his commandments and that is what really in your Bible was there something wrong with the Ten Commandments? Were they weak legislation in the first place? Or did they somehow become obsolete with the passage of time? If, as some suppose, the time came for the Ten Commandments to be abolished, there must have been a reason for it. Order your free copy of Which of the Ten Commandments Did Jesus Repeal? Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia 24151. Also, check us out on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.com. If you would like a free DVD recording of this program that you can share with friends and loved ones, write to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. And be sure to mention the title of this program.